Hey, welcome to the Lyric House Church podcast. Our mission is to host a house for him. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our live service. Make sure to check out our Facebook page for details about upcoming events and information on our small groups that meet throughout the week. Thank you for being part of our broader community, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the ministry, the mystery, I'm sorry, of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, which he set forth. You notice all this was his plan. Everything that I'm reading was his plan. You were adopted into sonship before the foundation of earth, which he set in place. You've been called his beloved before the foundation of the earth. Ephesians 4, or Ephesians 1, I'm sorry. In his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. It always comes back to Christ. Everything comes back to Christ. Christ. Christ and him crucified for us. He's no longer on the cross. He's in us. He's with us, amongst us in all things. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, Unites everything in him, in him alone. Things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance. Having having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the good of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when he heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed, sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Sealed, like an insignet ring, seals a letter with wax, like you're sealed up. Who is the guarantee of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it? The Holy Spirit is your guarantee of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Amen. That's the beautiful thing about Ephesians. I could just keep reading, and it's just beautiful. So beautiful. Hmm. Well, we're supposed to be in Acts. Hmm. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, 
made us alive together with Christ. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Even when we didn't think we were good enough, even when we were wallowing around in our sin, he made us alive with Christ. That's 2-4, Ephesians 2-4. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All this was predestined before the foundation of the earth. I just got to believe. Do you believe it? So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. You hear that? This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Because there's not one of us that is any better than anyone else through our works. Christ leveled the playing field. We've all been justified. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What are some good works? Coming to church. Coming to church. Getting in his word. Learning who you are. Seeing the healed, the sick get healed. Praying for people. Stepping out in faith. Giving is a good work. Being kind. Love, joy, peace, kindness, meekness, self-control. The fruits of the spirit are the good works. We are one in Christ, one body, one in him. And nothing can separate that, nothing. Therefore, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers. But we were alienated ourselves because of our own stinking thinking. Our own mindset creates the separation. We have the mind of Christ now be one with him, to be unified with him. When those old stinking thoughts come in, that's when we take them captive and we cast them out. Because those are not of Christ. Those are the old man, the old way, the old. Behold, all things become new when you're in Christ. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to one spirit, to the Father, so that you are no longer a stranger or an alien, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. Fellow citizens with the apostles with in one body. That is who you are. Praise God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we thank you, Lord, for doing it for us. We thank you for taking our place on that cross and being mutilated unrecognizable so that we could walk in oneness with you. In one body. To do your good works. Thank you for making a way where there was no way. Thank you for being the way. Thank you, Jesus. And if you get into Ephesians 3, it's the mystery revealed. Probably won't go there. Hopefully you do in your spare time. Everybody should have a Bible. There's so much good news in the Bible. So much good news. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Tiffany's going to take us into Acts 4. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. (sighs) Okay, family. Recap, we have been going through the book of Acts when we're going to go completely through the book of Acts. And I don't know about you guys, but we are, I am personally learning so much as I'm doing word studies and and pressing in to be able to teach you guys. And um, last, somebody tell me, what did we talk about last week? What was Acts 3? The gate called Beautiful. Yep. Mm-hmm. The lame man. And what? It, oh. <laughs> Lisa said, I wasn't here, but I listened to the podcast. <laughs> what else? What was that? What was that book that we found out about? That, or was that the week before? That was the week before. Anybody, anybody look into that anymore? Lisa, she's like the perfect student. Like, thank you. She even gets me my water. Just look at her and make eye contact. She's like, I got you. Yep, yep. I listen listen to it. It's only like a 24-minute audio book. It's good. So we 
um, we'll start in Acts 4. And this morning when I asked you, when I said, what do you feel like the, the premises of Acts 4 is? What did we decide on? I think you had more of an accurate description than I, you know. I think you should share did your Did you read it? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think you should re share yours. I don't remember what I said. That's why I'm asking you. Oh. <laughs> What'd you say? Well, we what did we decide, babe? <laughs> Somebody should have wrote this down. So basically, it's it's Peter and John stepping out and being bold in their faith, and them not being ashamed of the gospel, not being ashamed, willing to lay their life down. Yeah, yeah that's what that's what it was. It was seeing people that are willing to lay their life down for the church, for the gospel to be known. So essentially, for him. Willing to give everything for him. Yeah. No matter no the consequence, matter, yeah. no matter the cost. Like that wasn't even a thought process. They were, they were so in love with the Lord that what else mattered? And so that is overall what we see in Acts 4. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give you guys bullet points. So if somebody just brings up, you know, randomly in conversation, oh, Acts 4, you're going to know, you're going to remember. So if I say Acts 3, oh, yeah, that was the, 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 the lame man at the gate called Beautiful. You know, like Acts 2, Acts 1, like trying to help to, to bring um, bullet points to each of the chapters. And so we are learning as a family, as a community, this word that is so important. We, we talk about it, we preach it, we say get one, but let's dive in together and, and learn about it. Okay. So we're going to start from the very beginning, and we'll get as far, we'll go as far as we can. So we're going to be doing a lot of reading today, and I'm not sorry. Where's Mark? Not sorry. Yeah. And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple, okay, so I'm, I'm going to paint pictures as we go. So they were um, the disciples. We have, who were the disciples? Peter and John. They had just seen this man that was healed, and they're still speaking to the people. Everybody's excited. There's just this hum. I can imagine that other people were bringing to people to them, like, will you pray for my uncle? Pray for my brother. Pray for my son. And everybody was talking. They were explaining what happened. Then all of a sudden, the police and the Sanhedrin come in. And so we have the priest and the captain of the temple, which is like the cop, like the police cap captain. And the Sadducees came in upon them. And that word upon them is suddenly and forcefully. So what happens is they're preaching, they're excited, the, the dude is healed, and he's jumping all around, dancing, who knows what he's doing, and all of these people, these men come in very forcefully. They're probably pushing people away. I'm sure they look very angry, and they're ready to do something. Yeah. Tough. Okay. Yeah. So let's throwing talk about... Throwing their weight around. What? They were throwing their weight around. They were. They were. And so let's get into what is the Sanhedrin that we talk of? We hear the word Sadducee. We talk about, we hear the word Pharisees. Um, but let's talk about it. Let's talk about what those are. Who knows what the Pharisees are? What? Religious people? Religious yeah. people, yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Con they controlled the synagogue. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Sadducees, they were more conservative. Um, no, yeah, <laughs> they're sad, you they, see. They just need to, right. Yep. They were more political, though, yeah. like governmental. Yeah. And then the essences. Is that how you say it? Essence? Essenes? Essences? Essenes? I think essences no, sounds so listen, much cooler. Listen, he, he's dyslexic, so he gets a word in his head and he can't get it out. And so he'll probably forever say yeah, essenes. I will. So just our essences. Unless I really, like, focus on it. 
Um, so for a just while. don't answer it. Hi, how are you? So just go with. Welcome to church. <laughs> <laughs> Phone church. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so just go with it. If he says essence. Essences. Yeah. We, know, we know what you're talking about, babe. I think I like the essence. Okay. You don't get to just make up the word. Okay. The Essenes, widely regarded as authors to the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yes. Yes. Okay. So they we're talking. believed in heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. You know, the Essenes. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. 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 That's but, what the, but they also did not believe in resurrection. And so, like the Sadducees, right. they didn't believe in resurrection. So they have something in common with both sects, but they're their their own sect, right? Yeah. So we hear the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin is made up of these men in these different religious sects, and they are. They're we super talked about. Annoyed they're in this moment. They are very annoyed. So do you guys have the, no understand the difference between we have the Pharisees, who are really the major ones that went after Jesus. These were the ones that were really. Um, just put off by this, so offended by Jesus. They're the ones that are really put, that really pushed for him to be crucified. And they're the ones that are coming in. They're actually the ones that get the Sadducees on board with them. The Sadducees don't care. Like they're political. They're like, they got bigger fish, fish to fry, they think. They're the, that's who the high priest is. They're very wealthy, well-known in this conservative uh, circle. They're like, what is this? I don't even have time for common people. But the Pharisees were more of the common people. And so all they had to do is kind of get like, say things like, they're trying to steal your position. And then they're like, okay, let, we're paying attention now. And so um, Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection. They didn't actually believe in the spirit realm. So they didn't believe in angels, demons, um, that you went, to, they didn't even believe that when you died, you went to hell. They just thought, or heaven. They just thought that you died. You died. Um, and so they weren't super concerned with Jesus and what he was doing. Now we know that the Pharisees, they had more control in the synagogues, but the Sadducees had more control in the temple. And so we're at the temple now. And so they're here and they're trying to figure out what's going on. All right. So then it says they're greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Okay, so the Pharisees believe that, but they're, they don't want this preaching happening. They don't like this. And so they, they tell the Sadducees this is what they're preaching, even though they agree with it, and the Sadducees are, are all up in the business. And three said, and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. So imagine this. So they're excited. They see this healing. Everyone's there and they come in bullying their way in and it says it's already evening. And so they're arresting them. They're trying to intimidate them. They're trying to scare them. They're trying to tell them. They're trying to say, remember what we did to Jesus? This is, this is what's coming for you next. Think about this guys. Like this wasn't some like, oh, hey, what's going on in the temple? Like you don't, don't think that they haven't been watching these guys. Like did they, had they known at this point that Jesus had, had, ascended into heaven like are they watching this is the first miracle that we're seeing by the temple but there is buzz they were paying attention don't don't think that they weren't asking questions and and had spies and know what was happening this was just an end for them because they were on temple ground um also understand where these men are coming from there's not a whole lot of education at this point as in like leadership like they're just starting the early church like they have the dedicate and they're teaching it but there's not anyone for like we can go to tim and be like trust me i have said 
help. What do we do? <laughs> so when he's not here, it's a little bit harder. But there's been several times in church where I, stu- I went next to Tim and I was like, <clears throat> what do we do? And he's like, tells us what to do. And so we didn't, Peter didn't have that. Like they didn't necessarily have that. They were the leaders. It's like us. Like why? What are we doing? What the Lord told us okay. to do. Okay. All right. Anyway, so there's, um, they've also, there's certain things that the Lord has told them. Don't fight back. Remember when the, when they cut the ear off and he had already been corrected, like, don't do that again. Don't, that's not necessarily, don't command, you're commanded not to fight back. These big religious people are against them. But all they know, guys, is that they're just so madly in love with Jesus that they probably didn't even realize, they were just like, you know, like in awe. They were captivated. just captivated. They were just in this, like, this f- season of first love that they were like, I don't know, I guess we'll go to jail. Yeah, <laughs> Those are my There's a people. lot of us in here that are married and we first had our first love. We were first fixated on our, our wives or our girlfriend at the time or whatever it may be. I mean, you're just totally captivated and you don't want to leave their side. And Like I remember when Tiff and I first got together, I would come sneak out and tap on her window and wake her up at night and she'd open her window and she'd be like, what are you doing here? <laughs> he still does that. <laughs> and then we would here? talk on the phone all night until like six in the morning and then get up and go to school, you know. And we were just totally captivated with each other. So what would happen if there was people against me? Like you w- it didn't matter. It didn't matter what it looked like. Yeah. It didn't matter what you had to do. It didn't matter what you had to say. Like you would have went to jail for me. Yeah. Would you still? I probably did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's no secret we weren't the best kids. <laughs> you definitely got me in a lot of trouble. Or I, I got you in a lot of trouble. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Like, <laughs> I had never, ever been, ex- like, expelled from school until I met you. Okay, let's keep yeah, going. Yeah, okay, anyway. <laughs> Lord, thank you, Lord. Okay, so we have these men that are madly in love, and women, and children. Like, we have all of these people that are madly in love with Jesus. And in four it says, but many of those heard the word, which is the logos, believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Does everybody know what the logos word is? Somebody tell us. There's the logos and the rhema. Yep, yep. Yep, Yep. exactly. Do you guys hear him? So the logos is the written word of God. And so in this scripture where it says, but many of those who heard the word, it says the word word. In our English language, it only uses one word. But in Greek, it's either rema or logos. And so so important, again, to do these word studies and know what they're talking about. And so what they're saying is logos is objectively, it's recorded in the Bible. It's, a, it's scripture. It's the word of God. Rhema and they don't use the word rhema here, they do use logos, is subjective or personal experience. Um, Matthew 4, 4 says, but he answered, it is written, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, rhema, that comes from the mouth of God. See the difference? So word, objective, word, subjective. And what happens is God uses this logos word to speak rhema to us now. So for example, if I was just really struggling one day and I was just having a bad day and I didn't have Lisa there to tell me to get over it and or Jason to tell me to renew my mind, this is what they do to me. They just they feel don't feel sorry for me. And um, anyway, so I'm just I'm struggling. I'm having a bad day. I'm feeling sorry for myself. 
And, you know, I sit down and all of a sudden I hear a scripture that I know because I've been in the word and I know the scripture. Maybe I can't uh, rattle the whole thing off, but I hear, um, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. And I'm like, what? And it's like the Lord's speaking to me and I'm like, dang it, I know better. I know that I have to renew my mind. I know that I have to be transformed. Oh, thank you, Lord, for reminding me that. I know that I need to do that. Actually, I'm going to get in Romans and read that is what I'm thinking. And then I get in Romans and I just, and then the Lord wrecks me. Anyone else done that? Like you're just, maybe you're just sitting there doing nothing, pouting, complaining about everything. And then the Lord comes in and speaks a scripture that you're like, oh, I can't remember. I can't remember where that is or um, I remember one word, and so I look it up, and then I'm just lost in Scripture. And all of a sudden, and I'm not in a bad mood anymore. All of a sudden, I've renewed my mind, and everything has just been transformed. And does it mean that the circumstances aren't still happening? Absolutely. Like, they're all still happening around me, but I've chose to renew my mind. And that's what the example of the Logos and the Rhema word is, is God used a Logos word for a Rhema moment. So that's why it's so important that we're in this book. If I'm not, listen, you don't get rhema moments if you don't, if you don't seek them out. We don't get rhema moments if we don't read the word. If we're not in the logos, we don't get to use it. And so it's not just like, it's not a shameful thing like read your Bible. It's listen, he has something for you. Listen, like that's what he wants to do that. We just do our part. Any other questions? Logos versus rhema. Really cool words, say them. I, yes, there you go. Thank you. Don't you feel smart? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> okay, so here we have, um, they said that how many came to know the Lord? 5,000. 5, Look what's happening here, 5, guys. 5,000 men. 5,000 men. And so we know that that's... Plus women and children. Yeah. Yep. And what's so encouraging about this, though, is they're being persecuted. And they're, they're in this moment of being persecuted. There's this opposition. They're coming against them. They're trying to scare them. They're literally in jail, and 5,000 people are coming to Christ. Like, Lord, he's doing it. Like, it's beautiful. I read some stats that it said during COVID. And you guys remember that crazy thing that happened called COVID? Yeah. So remember how our churches all got um, shut down? We couldn't go to church anymore? Yeah, that was fun. 54% of churches in America, so in the West, so more than half of churches started a new ministry because of that. I don't, I mean, and whatever that is, maybe it was an online ministry, maybe it was a, a ministry reaching to the homeless, it, it just all different, doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But it's the point of when the church was pressed, when we were persecuted, we, 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 came, we said, okay, fine, we can't have church then I'll do something else. The word of God will be spread. We will share the gospel. There's no, there's no intimidation with this. Um, it's not effective anyway. More people started to follow the Lord because they pressed into the disciples. Yeah. So I feel, like, I feel like they'd just be like, arrest more of us. Do we, like, what do, you, what do you got? You know, like, the more you press us, the more come to Christ, and that's the goal anyway. Okay, yeah. moving on. We're at five. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, A-N-N-A-S, Annas, and the high priest, which is the high priest, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. So he's naming, we believe that like, I think John is maybe Annas' or Caiaphas' son. Like they're naming these important people. Like they're kind of 
name dropping in a sense like listen it was the big guys guys like this it wasn't just like some religious people it was like the top of line of the sanhedrin so there it was scary and when they had set them in the midst they had inquired so this is the the sanhedrin is saying by what power or by what name did you do this again they're trying to in intimidate him there but understand here they're getting nervous like i kind of really like this part like they're trying to push and say who, who whose name are you doing this then say it because they know that if they preach another god besides the god you know like god the father that that's heresy right they, they know what they're doing they're trying to get them in trouble they're trying to trying to like trick them like it's nothing new they did this to jesus too they're trying to get them um, in trouble. They're trying to like get them to say something. Um, but you, it also shows a weakness in them. It, they know, they know whose name it's in. They, they've been watching, trust me, like they probably know more than the disciples do right now about what's going on, right? But they're asking them and they're, I think that they're kind of hoping that they would say somebody else. Like, just don't say Jesus. Don't say, shoot, they said Jesus. Like, imagine what they, I kind of like feel a little bad for them. Like, they thought they crucified him. They thought that they knew what they were doing. Yeah. And yet, it, it's still happening. It was like they couldn't get rid of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's not going anywhere. And it's just, it's so interesting to see kind of the other side of that, that they thought that they were successful in the crucifixion. And this is the moment that they're starting to see, uh-oh, what are we going to do? Okay. Eight says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and the elders, nine, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means does this man have been healed? Peter is not intimidated. Like, listen, Peter's not worried. He's not like, oh, shoot, they're talking to me. We're in jail. What are we going to do? He's basically saying, um, yeah, he got healed. Like, isn't that what you guys have laid your life down for? Was was like religion? Was God? Like, yes, this man got healed. You're welcome. Like, it, he's almost just like, I, I don't understand what you're mad about. He's on trial for doing something good. Yeah. And 10 says, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of, <laughs> I love this again, he doesn't have to say Jesus of Nazareth, the one you crucified. He doesn't have to say any of this, but he makes sure and he gets it in. He says, by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, when God, whom God raised from the dead, like they didn't know, by him this man is standing before you well. And I love how he just like, Peter doesn't care any, about anything else except for preaching Jesus. And we talked about that last time. We're seeing it over and over. He's not trying to say, hey, guys, write this down. It was, it was me and, and John. Like, this is us. This is part of what we're doing. He was like, no, it was Jesus. Remember, the one you crucified, the one you chose, and he's preaching Jesus. He's, it's like just such a good friend, you know? Like, he's not going to let it go. He's like, no, you did this. He's like, this is Jesus, the yeah. stone the builders rejected. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but literally, like, yeah. hold him. One of our African preacher friends, he's, he'll say, Jesus the Nazarite. Nazarite. Yeah. Because there's other Jesuses, so yeah. he's like, sure, he make, you know that there's when no When he's confusion. preaching, it's Jesus the Nazarite. The Nazarite. Yeah, I would have to show you guys. Yeah. He's, he's African, he's but he speak, you know, obviously speaks French, and so he's, yeah. he's fun. Okay. All right, 11, babe. Go for it. So Jesus, 
the stone the builders rejected. The very stone which the masons discarded has become the chief cornerstone. <laughs> so, basically, in masonry, whenever you begin the foundation of a building, you start with the cornerstone. That's the very first stone. Everything is built off of that cornerstone. All the walls get their direction off of that cornerstone. Hmm. Just like we get our direction from our cornerstone, Jesus, the stone the builders rejected. Everything comes off of that. If we get into Psalms 118.22, it says, The very stone the masons rejected, as flawed as turned out to be, the most important keystone of the arch, holding up the very house of God. So a keystone, if we look at that fireplace right there, the keystone is the stone that's directly in the mil middle that's really tall right there of the archway. And if that was taken out, that arch would fall. But that locks it in place. Jesus is the keystone that locks us in place. In our right standing with the Father. He's made us righteous in our right standing with the Father. Because of the keystone that has locked us in place. We are the stones that are being built together in the archway. As he locks us in place. Yeah, load-bearing it is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, an arch is like the strongest. All the weight bears down on it. And then the sides push out against what's on the outside of it. Wow. That, that would preach. Well, you, you're doing it. Good yeah. job. Like, we're in church. You yeah. have a microphone. You're preaching. You're <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be a pastor. So. <laughs> yeah, right. First Kings six seven. Hold on, I have oh. to like explain. Like most of you guys know this, but we have a construction company. Jason's a stonemason, and so this like, I I, I feel like it, it matters. Like I wish I was there the first time you read this scripture, and like because I'm sure that you were a mason already, but when you started studying the scripture out and read it, like how much you would have been like, what a rhema word for you in that moment, you know? I studied all the rock scriptures. You did. I, <laughs> <laughs> I did. There's a lot of them. Yeah. I remember that, yeah. But 1 Kings 6-7 says, Not a sound of a hammer or a chisel while the temple was built. Every stone was perfectly cut in the quarry. And then it has the cross in quotations. To exactly mirror the pattern of the chief cornerstone. Did you catch that? We were all cut in the quarry to mimic Christ the chief cornerstone. Yeah, come on. That's worthy to be praised. Also in Isaiah 51.1 and Romans 9, 30 and th through 33. I mean, there's so many of them. Isaiah 8.14, Isaiah 28.16. Just trying to write, babe. Sorry, you want me to slow down? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, uh, Isaiah 51.1. Romans 9, 30 through 33. Right. Isaiah 8, 14. Slides. Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, this says the Lord, Behold, I am laying in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He who believes will not be ashamed. It is the primary foundation 
stone at the angle of the structure by which the architect fixes a standard for bearing of the walls and the cross walls throughout. So the carpenter in the Bible, right? We know Jesus is a carpenter. But in uh, Hebrew language, it can also be taken as the great architect. They didn't build with wood. They built with stone. Or in other words. They hardly had any wood over there. A stonemason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But an architect is a designer. They design and then it all comes about. And what has he done? He's laid the foundation of the world. Before the foundation was even laid, he thought of you as a stone to be built upon his cornerstone. There are no magic tricks behind this. No other agenda for us. It is what it is because he created it and put it all into place. Jesus is what his name declares. He is mankind's savior. He has no competition whatsoever. There exists no alternative or external power in the heavenly realm. We are gift-wrapped and mirrored like a gift-wrapped like a present, almost. Like, how do I convey that? Like, our human life is like gift wrapped. And we're mirrored in Him as a gift to the Father. Being cleansed through the sacrifice of Christ and becoming one with Him. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Right now, in this moment, you are seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. In Jesus, yeah. In Christ. He's perfectly articulated everything for us. And we always just try to make it so complicated, but yet it's so simple. He's a simple, loving, kind God. This makes him most precious and desirable. He's so precious and so desirable. He does not disappoint. He does not disappoint your belief. And he is indeed the Messiah. He is indeed the Messiah. Indeed. The Savior of the world. He's made us as his temple. He's made human life as the true temple of God. For he is reigning inside here. Precious. Oh Lord, how precious are thee. Our Father who has captivated me. For you be the glory, all eternal Lord. For my life is yours laid down before thee. Oh precious Lamb that was slain. Oh precious God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for reigning over our lives and with us and through us in all things. 
For you are so precious. Oh, Father, oh, kind Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, precious King. For you are my desire, my everything. Unto you I live, and for you I give this life as a sacrifice to do good works for your kingdom, to be a son, a joint heir with Christ, to be one with you in all things that I do. Oh, precious Lord. Come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Good. Oh, Jill's gone. What? Oh, jeez. That is good. Yeah. Are you sure? You need a job in masonry or anything? I mean, like. (laughs) (laughs) Just joking. (laughs) Oh, I love that. And what did we? What did I say this morning? That conformity isn't. Oh, yeah, of course it was. Yes. I can't remember what it was. But basically, like, conforming doesn't mean we have to all look the same. Like, it doesn't mean that we all agree. It doesn't mean that now everything that you believe, I believe. It means that, like she said, the Holy Spirit is the mortar. The Holy Spirit is the one that's, like, teaching us and growing us. And, and, and the, the mortar f- fully engulfs the rock, too. Yeah. Like, the Holy Spirit Solid. fully engulfs It's not going anywhere. Us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, we're excited now. Come on. Okay. Yep, we do. We're on the same team. Yes. 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 Come on. Yep. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Why are you being so quiet? I just said that, and since the Holy Spirit is the mortar, what's it, what's in between all of these rocks, it acts as a buffer. So even if you are disagreeing with someone, I use Roberta, we're not disagreeing. Um, but we have the Holy Spirit 
on and around us. And so it acts as a, as a filter. And so everything that we disagree about, we still love each other. So it goes through the Holy Spirit and we're still good. You know, it doesn't cause hurt or anything like that because we have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Unity isn't conformity. That's what I said. There you go. That's yeah. what it was. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I didn't hear you say that. Yeah. Yes. Just swift around. Yeah, exactly. Just switched around. Okay. All right. A little bit longer. We're not going to get through it all. And so, um, which we probably won't do the third song then. Okay. Um, we always have this amazing plan. Yeah. Um, 12 says, and there is salvation and no one else, for there is no other name under heaven. We're on verse 12. Yeah. It's fine. And we thought we were going to get through like 37 verses. He's just saying, <laughs> all this is, guys, is he's telling me I'm he's right, is what is happening right now. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just laughing. <laughs> it's hilarious. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so, you know, they're... they're preaching again they're teaching that, that there's nobody else to be no other religious leader has done this have and, and they're saying this to the sanhedrin sanhedrin have any of you done this have any of you given your life to christ is anyone else can they proclaim they can they claim this no that only there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved and 13 now when they saw the boldness remember that word of peter and john and perceived that they were uneducated common men they recognize this. What they're saying is they recognize they hadn't been trained in the scrolls. Okay, these are fishermen. These are common men that should have. They have not sat at the feet of rabbis who have not been taught the scrolls. That they should know nothing of religion. They should know nothing of of other than what maybe their grandma, their parents have taught them. But they shouldn't have it. There's no education. They shouldn't know anything. And what they said is they were astonished. They were like, at that moment they realized these men have not been trained like they like they have okay so little I, be, I imagine that's a little this, bit of this a blow translation says they are illiterate idiots compared <laughs> to their own great learning at seriously what it says <laughs> the sanhedrin were captivated by the bold and articulate outspokenness of peter and john they were particularly intrigued by the fact that these men were illiterate idiots compared to their own great learning as scribes and professors of the law they just could not get over the marvel of it all Marvel. could only conclude that these men were close companions of Jesus. Says, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. The Passion says, then they, begun to, then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. Yeah. That's a whole sermon in itself. But what they're saying here is they're real. Like they're, it's almost like their hearts are softened in a sense. It doesn't. It doesn't continue to soften, but they're like, they realize that these men have been uneducated, that they haven't learned anything, but the time that they spent with this man that they crucified, this is what's happened. This is the evidence, or this is the, um, the, the overflow of what that looks like. You know what? I think when I die, that's what I want. That's what I want to be known as, that she was with the Lord, that she learned from the Lord. Like, that's it. I don't need anything else. So true story, Tiff and I are going to die together. So And a long time from now. Yeah. 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 Oh, us too. I mean look, yay. Yeah, there you go. Yep. 
There you go. Right. <laughs> 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 yep. Yep. But actually, I always say, well, I'm already dead. So I'm never going to die because I have eternal life. You see? So we did die together in Christ. always one-upping me like I was <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's the truth <laughs> yeah. that's the plan though still people doing the same thing today too yeah even though it says by him this man is standing before you well like they're saying the man that you crucified the ten commandment that you broke that you preach this man is standing here still nothing nothing penetrated like nothing was getting through to them Did, were they seeing it yeah like they were like uh, uh what do we yeah yes yep yep the Pharisees of today are still waiting on the Messiah. Yeah. They still are. And their Messiah that to them is somebody that's going to come in and and basically politically change their kingdom and come in and, and rescue them from the world. And like, I mean, let's think about what's happening in Israel right now. Most of us in here know what's going on, right? They're being bombed, raped, pillaged, murdered, the whole southern part of Israel right now, right? Let's just pray for them. Can we Hold pray on, for them? Hold on, Sarah. Will you can come pray, pray with us? Yeah. yeah. Let's all let's all turn our heart posture towards Israel right now. Yeah. Come on. Say it. Justin's got the kids. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's good. Dad, would you lead us in prayer? You got it. Yeah. <laughs> I like how she tells me no as she's reaching out. <laughs> I'm not arguing with you. Okay, thanks. Good. Yeah, so if you just want to lead us in prayer. Israel, so actually Sarah's kind of, I mean, like, I think we've all heard rumors of this, but Sarah's actually the one that's kind of keeping us, um, like, kind of keeping us posted, I feel like, in Shiloh as well. Like, you want to come up here too, Shiloh? <laughs> just like that. There, you have a friend. There, you feel better. <laughs> no. um, you guys pray for Israel. Yeah. And so she's just kind of been letting us, like, she's just kind of, she's already, it was, she, you want to just share, because, like, okay. it's already been on your heart, and then, yeah. Okay, so this started, because I'm reading the Bible, which you should do. I know, right? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, 
So I'm in Zechariah, which if you know where it is timeline wise, that's after um, <laughs> so that's where the, um, they're in Babylon for 70 years. They're starting to return. They are building the temple. Okay. Um, and they are so discouraged. They're so discouraged. So Zachariah is hanging out, and then he gets to have this awesome conversation with Jesus. Like, truly amazing. Like, Jesus sits down with him under a tree, and he shows them, like, amazing things. Um, and I'm not going to say it exactly right. But, basically, Jesus is having this conversation, and he says, hey, like, don't be discouraged, don't be disheartened, because the non-Jew, so, and not even, like, Gentiles, but, like, straight-up non-believers are going to cling to your robe because they know that you are going to lead them to God. <sighs> so I started praying because I was like, oh man, like I really want like the entire world to be blessed, right? Like I want everybody to know. And I've been praying because I know like right before that happens, like things look really bad. That was another thing Jesus told Zachariah was like, hey, it's going to look bad, but I promise you it's going to be good. So I have been up every morning at like 4.30, <laughs> driving my husband crazy. She, she has been intervening for Israel, and she, this is a weapon right here. This woman right here is a weapon for the kingdom of God, for this country that's being blown up by air, sea, and land. And she wakes up early, and she's like, I just have it in my heart to pray for Israel. Please pray for Israel with me, guys. Please pray for Israel. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. God loves Israel so much. We are all really his Israel, but God loves Israel so much. There's so much persecution, and I see it in this lady's heart right here, Sarah. The heartfelt for Israel and what their persecution looks like right now, families, children, Things being blown up, scattered. It's real life. Real life. These people are invading their home. And that's what the enemy does. He comes to seek, kill, and destroy. But there is one greater than him that's already crushed the head of the enemy. And man, it's people like all of us, but people like Sarah that has a heart, a heart for God and reaches the call for for people like Israel. <laughs> and I know that it's, it's good. This, this prayer is going to be so good. when her, she was putting a message in the women's thread and she said, they're so close to knowing the Messiah and that just, man, that just really struck a chord with me because they are. Like, it, they're right on the tip of it, guys. We're seeing biblical prophecy and I'm not really like, I, I'm not super like into the end of the world and end times. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying I'm not, but like I haven't studied it thor thoroughly like that. But just to hear how, um, how close that they are to, to, to finding this Messiah that they have. I mean, longer than us guys, like they have been contending and believing for this. He's already came. They just don't know it. So, okay, you ready? You guys are going to pray together and we're going to support you. She's a great prayer. Okay. 
Okay, dear God, um, thank you for being holy. Thank you for being so powerful, and thank you for um, just never changing. If I start yelling, that's my bad. My bad. Um, thank you for your word. Thank you that this isn't a surprise to any of us. God, I ask that you would just continue to encourage your people, um, encourage your nation. Um, I know they're disheartened. I know they're distraught and heartbroken. God, just remind them of your word. Remind them that you've already seen this coming and that it's not a surprise to you. And God, please open their eyes. Um, I know they have a veil over their face. You, you wrote that too. Um, I'm just asking that you remove that veil and so that they can see your goodness and taste it and experience it in real life and not just a shadow. And I'm asking this in your holy name. Amen. Father, you are so good. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except for you. I thank you, Jesus, for your protection. You are a high tower. The righteous run in, and they are saved. These people are righteous, God. Sometimes they just don't know it. As my friend Sarah says, Lord, I just pray that the veil would be lifted upon their eyes, God, and they can see, they can see who you are that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Elohim and Adonai, the Father, the one true King who loves us. We abide in you and you abide in us. And your love and your blood is thick and it flows and it covers multitudes and it will cover multitudes. It has covered multitudes, God. You are the shining light a city on a hill, Lord. And I know, God, that you can reach the unreachable. I know that you can reach the confused. Your love just never ends. It never ends, and it flows forever and ever and ever. So, Lord, we pray for protection over Israel. Lord, that people can't be seen by the enemy. Supernatural power, miracles, God, because that's who you are. You're a miracle-working God. Today, yesterday, and tomorrow, always and forever, you are the miracle-working God. You change the hearts of people. You send the messengers in. Lord, I pray for missionaries that are right now in Israel, God, that they would be strong, Lord, in faith to reach the hearts that no matter what the cost, because you paid the ultimate cost, God. You are the one that shed the blood that covers all, Lord. And I thank you, God, for evangelists, for missionaries, for preachers, for those that just walk across and just and speak the name of Jesus to those that don't know you, Lord. And so I pray, God, a herd in Israel. Lord, I pray for the enemy, Lord, right now, that they would be shut down, God, but they would also know you, that you would shut the mouths of the lions because you've done it multiple times, Lord. You've done it multiple times. It's written in the history book. It's written in your word how you've done it, Lord, and I know you can do it now, and I know you will. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit and your son in this moment, in this time. Thank you, God, for your people and for who you are. Amen.